Hey everybody out in podcast land, it's David coming at you with a brand new podcast. We are going to talk about a couple terms today. The word Christian and the word disciple. And we're going to find out where we fall and what our part is as we walk with Jesus. Sit back, get yourself a cup of coffee, sit next to a nice warm place, light a candle wherever you're at. Say a prayer for me and my family and pray for your hearts to receive the word of God today. We're going to go on a great journey. We're going to learn something and we're going to have a great time. Please share these episodes, put them on your Facebook, like them, and just give them to other people. Let them hear it. Let's get this word out across the board for everybody. And with that, God bless. Hey everybody on Podcast Land, it's David coming at you with a brand new podcast. Well, we are in very cold times in Michigan. We're in the middle of January. It's a brand new year, 2024, and snow has covered everything. Last few days have been just crazy with the snow outside. Lots of shoveling, lots of snow blowing, and I'm happy for our fellow men and women out there with plow trucks. I hope they make a good amount of money this season. Lord knows it's been a long time coming. We haven't had very much snow this season already, but I'm sure we got enough now. And I hope it goes away fast. Today I'd like to talk to you about something. I had a little uh, discussion with my oldest stepdaughter today. From time to time as a father, you have to do uh, parenting. And I've learned... It's not fun to correct all the time. And you love who you're correcting, actually. So it's not that you can or can't correct somebody. It's that you have to live with these people. You have to wake up every day and see them. They're your family. And if you truly love them, you want to see what's best for them. You don't want to break them. You don't want to harm them. But just like everybody else parents have feelings and emotions too and it seems like sometimes they get neglected and put on the shelf but as an adult and as a parent you have to sometimes rise above the fray as they say and you have to put your feelings and dreams and achievements aside because you're pouring into somebody else another life and this life you want to see achieve and do great things you want to see them do better things than you did You don't want to see them make the same mistakes and many times you see them going down the same road and same ideals and same, the same way that you did things and the outcome, as you know, is going to be pretty close to the same thing that you had. And if you made bad choices and bad decisions, well, the outcome is going to be bad and we don't want to make criminals or Sinners, We don't want to make people like that. It's easy to be that way because when you are born, 
you were born into it and you're shaping an iniquity. It's just always there. It's very easy to look at somebody that's born and see that, yeah, they, they're cute. Yeah, they have the, the look of godliness. They have the look of all that, but you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. You don't have to teach a kid how to steal. You don't have to teach a kid how to argue or banter or to throw tantrums. But if you want good qualities, you do have to teach and instill those. It takes hard work and it takes precious time. And the best term I can think of is sacrifice. It takes a sacrifice. To be a good teacher, to be a good parent, to be a good mentor for somebody, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice your feelings, your emotions, your precious vacation time, your personal time. And a lot of times it's going to be lonely sometimes. It's a lonely place sometimes. If you don't think that's true, my parent friends out there that are listening to me, they understand what I'm saying because when you're in a store and that kid decides to throw a tantrum, Everybody in the store has an opinion or a statement to say like, oh, I would spank that kid. Oh, I would not let that happen. Oh, if it was my kid. And at that moment, that parent feels alone because that's not how it is. And that's not what you do. Now, there's a time and a place for a correction. Don't get me wrong. I'm a forerunner for a correction. I have that on my first ability is to correct. That's not a hard thing to teach and instill into me, Reverend David Randolph. The hard part is the the love, the patience, and the ability to see sometimes when you do something that's not common, like when you want to correct somebody and instead you, you show them love or forgiveness. You want to punish somebody, but instead you do like what Jesus did. The majority, if not all the times Jesus did a lot of correcting in the Bible, in the New Testament, mainly is what I'm talking about. Jesus corrected the religious people a lot more than he corrected the sinner. Many times the religious people would bring somebody to Jesus because they wanted to see that person punished or, or to see how he would deal with it or to, to see what the manner of outcome would be from this religious leader because they would execute judgment. They know the commandments and they would enforce the commandments to the iota, to the cross T's and the dotted I's. But they wanted to see what this religious leader was going to do. And this religious leader did something pretty extraordinary and it's what separates him from many, many, many others, if not all, at that time. He extended grace when somebody deserved to be punished to the point where he would rebuke the religious folk. Now you got to understand, it wasn't just religious folk. It was the only saved people at that time. This group of people that Jesus was born into and walked around with were the first born of the fruit. They were the first ones to receive. They were the ones that walked with God since the beginning. But yet he was rebuking them to give over to sinners, to forgive sinners. 
to sit with sinners, to sup with sinners, to walk with sinners. Not to partake of their sin, don't get me wrong. But he was ushering in something, a new kind of teaching, a new kind of uh, ability, a new tool in our toolbox, so to speak. And so let's get back to my main topic here. As a parent, sometimes you have to do stuff. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to correct you. Hey, I'm going to spank you. Hey, I'm going to take this away. Because after a certain point, if you do it long enough, you see some kind of spirit that rises up in the child that they kind of just block that off and the rebelliousness starts to show up. And they have no problem acting like they're being corrected, but inside they're not being corrected. And now you've taken a tool that should be used for something positive and and to change the direction of someone, and you've enforced and hardened their heart to become more of a bad person or a sinner or a, or evil ways are now being created in them. A hardness, a hardness of heart. And so sometimes you have to you have to reach into somebody's heart, and you got to show them love. You got to show them patience. If you were to go from the advice from the New Testament, it would be the fruit of the spirit. Now, there's a place for that, and there's a place for the other. The Bible also tells us that the Lord corrects and chastens those whom he loves. And not to harden your heart on that, because he does it to those he loves, and those are his children. And so that is another form that God uses in our life is correction. But there's also a time and place for the grace. Unmerited favor is what grace is. It's where you extend favor to somebody that does not deserve it. As a Christian, and I say that with quotation marks because this is our topic we're going to get into today, is the difference between Christian and disciple. Now, I'm not opposed to the word Christian or the term and using it. But that's not my first forethought when I talk about a believer, somebody that's following Jesus. The Bible gives us clear direction and it tells us and teaches us what we're supposed to be making, what we're supposed to make after our kind. Just like in Genesis, when animals were to breed, it was to be after their kind. So a snake would mate with a snake and it would make its kind. A cow would mate with its kind and make a cow. A tree after its kind, and so on and so forth. Humans have a kind too. But not like you think. It's it's more like believer and non-believer. You're not supposed to yoke a believer up with a non-believer. Because you don't want something that's coming after that kind. A mixed person, a mixed up person, a a mixed-up emotional person, a confused person. Now, what are we supposed to be creating? We're supposed to be creating disciples, the Bible says. The Bible is clear in Matthew 28, 19. It says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All nations. That's all people, all types of people. 
So the Bible's clear in our instruction. Now let's go back to Acts 11.26. And I'm reading out of the King James right now. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This is when you first get to hear and see the term disciple switch to Christian. It is where something happened to the followers of Jesus. The people now that are calling the disciples Christians were mocking them. It was a term, a derogatory term, from a lot of people at that time to say, hey, look, those people over there, they're Christians. They're following after the teachings of Jesus. Oh, they're Christians. It was too hard for them to say, hey, look, those are disciples of Jesus because they didn't even want to say his name. They didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. Don't mistake that term Christian as something positive. It's not something deep and theological. It's a slang term at the time to mock followers of Jesus. It is to lump a lot of people together in one term to say, look, they're Christians. I've been in a church for a long time. The building part of it I've been associated with majority of my walk with God. And I would say it like this. My Christian walk with God has been a large part. My discipleship of God has been smaller in terms. Now, when Jesus first called me out of the world, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, come follow me. And I started to follow him and walked on a, a straight and narrow road with him. But I found it didn't take much time once I started to incorporate my walk of God into the mainstream that there were a lot of people that had all kinds of ideas and agendas and they had all kinds of modes and operandi to get me, a new believer, into their organizations, into their belief systems, into their man-made concepts. And before too long, I was mimicking everything they were doing and following everything they were doing. I was talking like them. I was acting like them. And in the rearview mirror, Jesus was standing there waiting. And that saying at the bottom of the rearview mirror, when you look out, it says, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. What happened? Jesus was closer than he appeared in the rearview mirror, but he still was in the back. He was in the back seat, so to speak. Because I had to fit in with the majority. I mean, they called themselves the church. They called themselves Christians. And when they taught on that term Christian, they would say, Christian is the anointed. It is like Jesus, Christ-like, the anointed one. Christ is the anointed one. And they would say that the word Christian is like Jesus, like Christ, like the anointed one. 
Up until a few years ago, God really started to speak with me and teach me. He doesn't want us to be like the anointed one. He wants us to be anointed. He wants us to be filled. He wants us to be used by him in magnitudes that you will never get with just the term Christian. He doesn't want you to be like. He wants you to do these things. He wants you to be these things. He wants you to be anointed. He wants you to be saturated with the Spirit of God inside and out. He wants you to live every day, walk every day. And it does not matter about the term. You don't have to have a title. Titles are only man-made to separate you from the other sheep, the other humans, the other people. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to become the least. If you want to be first, you got to be last. Everything about the kingdom of God is not the same as the earthly kingdoms. It's nothing like what we do down here. And he showed you that by the way he treated people. When he walked into groups of people, he wasn't there for the groups and the masses. He would stop a whole group of people just for one widow woman that would reach out and grab his garment while the religious folk and the Christians would just keep on walking. I mean, don't stop Jesus. Everybody's touching you. It's it's not worth it. Let's go. We got a place to go. We got things to do. We got people to save. We got a work to do. While the work was under their feet, reaching for Jesus, they overlooked the ver- the very work itself. The very purpose of why Jesus came was right under their feet, so to speak. And God had to shake me before this pandemic thing started to happen. Months before it happened, I started to have a major change and shift in my walk with God. And my ministry started to be born. Sanctified Life Ministries. The seeds were placed long, long ago. But God had a purpose and a plan for a certain season. Not the way that I thought. The way that I thought and the way that I was being taught and the way that I went to school. I mean, I went to college inside these organizations. I spent my time, my money, all my waking hour to be just like them. To do just like them. And I found the more I tried, the more they would reject. The more I would press further, the more I would fall short. I was not good enough. There was not enough room. There was not enough space. It's not your time. And so on and so forth. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Can never meet their standards. You could do as many standards to separate you from this world and it was not enough. And then when you started to really shake off the blinders. Because when you're in groups of people, it's hard to see the little widow woman that's under your feet. It's hard to see those things. It's hard to see a demonic possessed man living in a cemetery on an island all by himself over there with a group of people that are just just had it with them. Because religious people are worried about the boat. We're worried about the storm. We're worried about our food. Why is Jesus taking us through these things? Why is he wasting our time? Why? I mean, this is a place that nobody wants to go. 
And time after time, Jesus would show us that the places that you discredit, that you don't even notice, those are where the gold gems are. Those are where the rubies and emeralds and the precious things are. The things that are after my heart. The things that I come to save and seek. If you really want to be like me, Jesus says, then these are the type of things you have to notice. Which leads us to the next Bible verse we're going to get into today. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 14, out of the King James Version, staying with the theme today, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, that's an interesting statement coming out of the Gospels for us. Because, I mean, don't you think that there would be so many people that would make it into heaven? That so many people would make it through the way. When he says the way, you know the way, the way. We're talking about God's kingdom. We're talking about God's anointed, his place. Heaven, the place where he sits, the way. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Few. There's only a few that are going to find it. Now, if you continue along with this term Christian, and if you look around in our modern times, everybody's a Christian except for a a select few groups over here, and a religious group over here, and then a few atheists over here, and unbelievers over here. But the majority of people you talk to or you hear from, the term Christian just blankets across. Now their denominations peek out every now and then because that's the other point of contention. Inside these Christians, the kingdoms are all around. There's a kingdom over here for this. There's a kingdom over here for that. And they're always at war because that's what Gentiles do. They never get along. They find things that separate them more than they find that bring them together. And they bicker and fight, complain, And it's never good enough. Even inside the homes of Gentiles, they fight amongst themselves. Gentile homes, mothers don't get along with the fathers. Divorce is rampant. Kids don't get along with parents. Cousins don't get along. Families don't get along. Aunts and uncles don't get along. Parents and grandparents, they don't get along. Nobody gets along. There's always a point of contention. And nobody can even get along on holidays. Even when God gives us holidays and feasts to sit down and break bread together and enjoy your times together, that's still a point of contention. And to take it even further, families that are Christians can't even get along. Now, let's let's bring this subject home. Let's close our thoughts out today. Let's hit a home run now for Jesus. The term disciple is what we're supposed to be making. Followers of Jesus. Not just in words, but in deeds. Those that give up their time, their money, their life, everything to follow Jesus. Not just to follow him, but to listen to his words and even make mistakes. Time after time, you're going to make mistakes. But you're with the master. You're walking with the master. Just like Old Testament walkers with God. They had a walk with God. They walked every day with God. They spent time with God. They loved the fellowship with God more than the fellowship with men. They loved the fellowship with God. The time in the prayer closet. And then the times where everybody can hear you speaking in tongues and yelling with a loud voice. And just 
having a great old time in front of people. Now, there's a time and place for everything. There's a season for everything. And I find the ones that lump themselves in this Christian term are the ones most offended all the time. They're offended at everything. You never say the scripture correctly. You never talk or teach scripture the right way. Even when you're in their denomination, they're always waiting for that time to pounce on you. They're waiting for the moment to get you. Ah, I got you. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Oh, did you see what so-and-so did? Oh, and even inside their buildings, they don't get along. They got to fight over this pew. That pew's mine. And that I can't sit up front because it's too close to the front. I don't want to be up there. So I sit in the back. And people would rather sit in the back than go to the front. They don't want to go to the altar when it's altar time. And it's sad because they got to wait for somebody to tell them that the altar is open. I mean, the altar of God has been opened since he died. And it's not going to be closed until he returns. A disciple knows this. A disciple knows that he has a prayer closet. A disciple knows that Jesus never leaves him nor forsakes him. The disciple knows how to interpret scripture correctly. A disciple knows that Jesus, when he left, before he left, he told the women followers and the men followers, don't touch me. I haven't went up to my father yet. I haven't went into heaven yet. I have to go up there. And disciples know that Jesus was talking about the tabernacle that was in heaven and not the one on earth. And he was going to go to that tabernacle and make intercession for us. And he's going to stay there until he returns. And so he's going to send the comforter until he comes back. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And so when we need something, we have an advocate. The advocate is Jesus, our high priest. And he stands there, a brother of us, the kin of us. He came in our flesh. God dwelt among us, Emmanuel. But now he is in a place as the high priest standing there, atoning for our sins, atoning for our mistakes until he returns back as Jesus. And it's coming soon, my friends. And until then, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will give you a spirit. I will give you the spirit and I will fill you with this spirit and I will be with you. I will write the commandments on your heart. I will make your conscience brand new again. It will be revived. It will be alive again. And you're going to go through a season of turmoil and troubles and trials. But don't worry, I will give you times of refreshing. And they'll come from me. And those are the moments that you live for as a believer, as a disciple. It is great when you're in a boat all by yourself and You suppose the Spirit has come upon you because you didn't discern it correctly. And Jesus has to yell, hey, it's me, don't worry. Come on out of the boat and use your faith and walk to me. And you will fail. You're going to fall down. You're going to sink below the waters in a storm. But don't worry, I'll reach my hand out and I'll pick you up again because you're a disciple and you follow after me. And my whole job is to be your master, your teacher. And we'll get there together. But broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And many are going to be those that go that way. Because it's easy to wake up on a one day a week and go to a building. It's easy to let other people to 
do your walk for you. It's easy never to read your Bible except for the scripture that the preacher tells you. It's easy to do those things after year after year after year after year and have the title blasted upon you everywhere. Everybody knows that you're a Christian. Everybody knows your denomination. But none of your neighborhood ever gets saved. None of your neighborhood ever knows what you believe. Nobody in your neighborhood or on your job ever heard that you even follow Jesus. They say the terms like, yeah, he's a Christian, but they don't know anything about you because you don't spend time in the Bible. You don't spend time in prayer. You don't spend time searching and seeking diligently when Jesus is not in the camp or Jesus is not following the procession and he's gone away and been in a temple or he's gone away and he's teaching doctors or he's gone away with the learned people and now you have to search frantically because you don't know where Jesus is. From time to time, he does those type of things. And it's our job to search after him. I mean, he's already done it the first time to find you because you would not be where you are unless Jesus went and found you in the first place. You would not even know how to follow Jesus if he didn't walk up to you and say, hey, come follow me. I will make you a fisherman of men. And then he commands us to go and make disciples. It's not hard, but what's hard is to sacrifice. And that's the word of the day today. How much are you willing to sacrifice to follow Jesus? Do you just want a title? Do you just want a name? Do you just want a denomination? Do you just want an organization? Do you want to offend everybody, even your brothers, your sisters, your family, everybody? Or do you want to sacrifice and follow Jesus? Ask yourself these things today. Am I a Christian or am I a disciple? Do I like the titles and glamour and my positions in a building? Or do I like to be the last, just to be one of the followers of Jesus? Do I like just being the least, just to stand and be at Jesus' feet? Do I notice the widow woman that's walking and crawling that needs help? Do I notice that person over there that's poor, naked, and needing some help because he has nothing? Or have I overlooked everybody? because I'm busy trying to do what Jesus taught. I love you all out there. And with this today, I want to say God bless. And I want you to work on your walk with God. I want you to be disciples, not Christians. I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. Not like the anointed one, but I want you to be anointed. I want you to be anointed and filled with God's spirit. Don't worry, the offenses will come. But woe unto those that bring the offenses. There's a lot of people out there that are causing a lot of trouble in God's kingdom. And the time of grace, God's allowing some stuff to happen. But there's a punishment coming for those too because they've sowed discord amongst brethren, all for a name of organization, all for a name of Christian terms, all for a name of titles, all for a name of buildings and properties that are empty and broken down and, and places of worship that are just empty and broken down and paying bills and bills after another bill, after another bill, after another bill, while you're beating people to bring more money, bring more money, bring more money. And your vision is not the vision of God. 
You've sold yourself short, my friend. God doesn't need any more property. God doesn't need any bigger buildings. What God needs is that person that can't give anything. What God needs is that broken person, that sick person, that person that's been disgusted and thrown away by the world and even by Christians and even by people that just walk by every day. That's who God's looking for. And they're happy just to be in the feet of Jesus. They don't need a big building. They don't need lots of property. They don't need you to do all those things. They just need your love. They just need grace. They just need a moment with Jesus. And with that, God bless. Hey, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. I know if you've taken a moment and you've shared this. After this podcast is over, if you haven't done it already, please copy and paste it on your Facebook wall. Email the link, copy the URL, and email it to somebody. You can do it from your phone now. You can just copy the URL, put it in your text, and text it to somebody. It helps me a lot because it keeps my podcast in the forefront of the Facebook algorithms and it helps me to get it out there for people and it keeps it more relevant and the longer it's relevant the more people can see it that's our goal we want people to hear about Jesus to work on their lives and to do something great for the kingdom of God I trust you're doing all these for me because that's the greater sponsorship you could ever do for me we don't look for money we don't get money from people that's never been our ministry our ministry is reaching people on our cost so there's no excuse for people to say I can't do anything for these people because they're just wanting money that has never been our message our message is just to help us very simple it's as easy as can be if you believe in what I'm doing and if you believe the message is true please share it now if you don't think it's true and you think that I'm just a fake false prophet and that I'm just somebody that's wolf in sheep's clothing, then you need to tell me so I can correct that and I can repent of it. But I don't believe I've ever acted like that or ever been like that. And all I'm asking is that you please share these with somebody. Let me do the heavy lifting in your witnessing. I will open the door for you and help you if you just get me out there And I will make it so your family can hear about Jesus. I can help you so your boss maybe can hear about Jesus. I just want to be a partner with you to help you to get this message out there. I believe believe in this message 100%. Since the moment Jesus called me out, I have no problem testifying or witnessing about my God. I love my God because he loved me first. He found me when nobody cared. And in my darkest times, Jesus has always been there. I've not had family most of the time and many times in my life, but Jesus was there. I've not had a job many times in my life, but Jesus was there. I've not had friends many times in my life, but Jesus has always been there. With a friend like that, I want to do the best that I can for him. And that's why I ask you to help me. I can only share so much on my own. I can only put it out there so much on my my own. Please help me. That's all I'm asking is to help me get this word out. And with that, God bless.